This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Won't you open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 27 through to 28 and then I want to jump to verse 31. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. If you jump down to verse 31, it says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. Over the last few weeks, we've been having a look at contemporary society and the way that we as Christians um, find ourselves in that society. Contemporary society has a way of redefining so many concepts that we take as fundamental truths. And it's important for us to be equipped so that we understand what truth is and that we're able to have an adequate response to people who come in with modern-day perspectives on reality. It's important for us that we're able to find our grid and our place in society so that we can be established in truth and so that we're not open to deception. So I want to continue with that this morning. And I want to speak on something that I've titled Masculinity, an Expression of Divine Nature. Verse 31 says, And God had a look at everything that he created, and indeed it was very good. Nothing happens in God's economy by accident. When God created everything, God had a look at specifically what it was that he was looking for, and God created everything with an idea in mind. Everything was created with a specific function and with with a specific purpose. When God created it, he knew why it was there. He knew why he was introducing it into reality. He knew why it was putting into, he was putting it into the earth. Everything was created with purpose. Everything was considered. There was nothing accidental where God woke up one day and said, gee, I didn't realize that that had taken place. Gee, I forgot about giving that some sense of purpose. God knew why everything was created and the reason that it was there. It speaks about the fact that God created man. God created man. He created man, male and female, he created them. When it's speaking about God created male and female, what it's talking about is, it's talking about the dusty parts of our being. It's talking about the physical aspects to who we are. It's talking about... The, the, those physical attributes and in a broader, con- in, in a broader context, um, the intellectual attributes that we have that separate us as genders. He created male and female. If you have a look at a man and you have a look at a woman, you're able to recognize differences to who they were, to who they are. The point about it is this, those are really elementary things, but what God created and that what fits into that is a creation called masculinity and femininity. You see, when you're talking about male and female, you're talking about physical and, and um, in broad context attributes of who they are. But when you're talking about male and female, you're talking about their nature. You're talking about fundamentally what they're established in. It is that part of them that was designed and it is partially responsible for reflecting the image of God in the earth. 
Where's designed man in our image? Part of God's image in the way that he created us to be was he took aspects of his nature and he introduced those aspects to who we are. It goes beyond simply the physiological aspects of who we are. It gets down to the fact that we were masculine and we were feminine. When we talk about masculine and feminine, we're not talking about character. We're talking about nature. Character is the way that I elect to define myself. Nature is who I am. You don't get to change it. A fish swims. A bird flies. It's their nature. Masculinity and femininity, God created as part and fundamentally who we are as people. It's part of our nature. And it is given to us so that we're able to take that. And when we bring it to a place where we're introduced to a meaningful and wholesome relationship with God, it uses that to take aspects of God and it begins to use those attributes as a filter through which it showcases who God is to the rest of the world. We are designed to reflect God's image in the world. Masculine and femininity are gender-related issues. And when we speak about gender, the important thing about gender is it's not just who we are, it's what we do. Your nature is not just about who you are, but it's about what you do. There are, in a day and age that we live in, people don't like the idea that everybody is not the same. We love and embrace the whole concept of being androgynous. Everybody can be anything that they would like to be because then we're all equal. But that's not God's disposition to things. God says, I created them male and female. I created them masculine and feminine because I wanted them to be different. I wanted them to recognize one another as being different. And I wanted to celebrate their differences. God's not intimidated at the idea that people are different. We are. God celebrates that and God thinks it's a good thing. It gets down to the fundamental reason as to why the church finds it and and cannot embrace same-sex marriage. Because God created masculine and feminine. And when the two become one, it becomes a recipe for marriage. It has nothing to do with hating people who are homosexual. It has nothing to do with sitting saying, well, we we just despise you because of what you believe. It's fundamentally who God is and what he's introduced and the way that he created marriage to be. And when we step outside of that design, it doesn't function the way that he he wanted it to. Masculine and feminine is more than just who we are. It's what we do. When you get rooted and you get grounded, when you begin to discover who you are in your femininity and in your masculinity, it introduces you to aspects about your nature that are going to define not only who you are, but it's going to define what God's purpose is for your life. There are certain aspects to who we are as people that are innate to who we are. We don't have to put them on the inside of us. They built into us. There is something on the inside of femininity that says, you know what? I want to be the nurturer. I love the maternal side to who I am. And when that's discovered and that's nurtured, it flourishes. Why? It's not because you have to put it in there. It's just sitting there waiting because it's part of your nature. Women have a tendency to be people who who want to create a home environment. Why? Because that's on the inside of who they are. But masculinity and and femininity are different. I don't want to deal with femininity today. I want to deal with masculinity. It's not because one's more important than the other. Just for clarification. 
Both are equally important in God's economy. But what's under attack today is not femininity. What's under attack today is masculinity. So we need to talk about masculinity. Why is masculinity important? God created man as a dominion figure. As a dominion figure, we're to reign and to rule. When you speak about reigning and ruling, it introduces us to privilege. But with privilege comes responsibility. When God calls you in your masculine context and in your manliness to reign and to rule, I'm putting everything in the context of masculinity, okay? That's where we're going. It applies to both. But I want to go down that track. When you have a look at what God says about, I'm calling you to reign and rule, what it introduces us to is opportunities that God has created for us as men. But it comes with responsibility. We have to develop a healthy vision for what masculinity is all about. And anytime you want to define what masculinity is about outside of the context of God, you're going to run awry. God created it. If you want to know why something was created, go back to the manufacturer. If you want to know why masculinity was created, you go back to the manufacturer. And he's going to introduce you as to why he created you to be who you are. He's going to introduce you to the characteristics that define masculinity. He's going to give you their purpose and their contribution to who you are, what you're all about, and why they're important in stepping forward into what God has got planned for your life. Masculinity is a paradox. Masculinity is a paradox because it integrates aspects to who we are that are polar opposites. It introduces us to the reality that we are people that are are born with a gentleness and a fierceness. Both of them are important and both of them are are fundamental in their own rights because both of them have a contribution to make in terms of who you are and what you call to be. But they also act act as a form of checks and balances within our lives. So for the warrior who is powerful and strong, God introduces gentleness. So you never become the brute. For the person who is sensitive in nature, God introduces fierceness. Why? Because what he's saying to you is, I need for you to have the fire to be able to lead. I need for you to be a person who who can give direction to where things are going. I need for you to be at a place where you understand your masculinity and you're able to step into that in a powerful way. Both of those things are important to us. When we understand how God has created us to be, and we take the different aspects of who we are, and we bring them to a place of balance and harmony, it introduces us to healthy living. And as a result of that, what ends up happening is when we live from the masculinity of who we are and the nature of who we are, we produce things that are healthy and productive. When that balance is out of whack, we always run the risk of passivity or aggression. And the results are destructive. Man needs to discover a healthy vision for masculinity. Something that's going to challenge who they are and inspire them to something more. It needs to challenge you to sit and say, do you want to be who you are right now? Or is there something more to who you are? It's going to challenge you to develop a code of ethics in terms of the way that you live your life. 
Something that says, you know what? I want to reject passivity. Men are very easy and, and they're far more forceful when you put them on the sports field. They'll get out there and their competitive nature comes out and what they're all about comes to the fore. Men are a lot more competitive when you put them into the business arena because they go out there and they want to do something. But all too many men, you put them in a home context or in a social context and they become passive. And God's sitting saying no. God's sitting saying manliness and and what it means to be masculine is to reject passivity and recognize your role as a man in those different environments and to step up and to grab a hold of it and to walk into what that's all about. It's about accepting responsibility. Masculinity doesn't come without responsibility. You have a responsibility to be a provider. When you step into the arena of husband, when you step into the arena of father, you have a responsibility to be the provider. And it's a provider in the broader context of what it means. It's not just provider because I go out there and I earn a paycheck. That's part of it and it's an important part. But it doesn't limit it to that. Your, your responsibility as a provider is to sit and say, I understand the spiritual needs of my family and I assume responsibility for that. And I step up to the plate and I deliver in terms of that. I understand where the family is and I anticipate future needs and where we need to be. I look, I take care of those things because in anticipation of that, I've made provision for it. I'm a provider. I'm a protector. I step up to the plate. I assume responsibility for what I am to do. I'm to lead courageously. Leading courageously means that there are going to be times in your life where you're going to have to step into certain environments and you may have to express opinions that are uncomfortable. You may have to sacrifice your reputation in certain environments to sit and say, because I'm doing it for what's right. Why? Because I'm leading courageously. I'm sitting saying, I understand what the future is. I understand the vision for where we're going. And I'm committed to that. And my responsibility is to lead us into that. My responsibility for my own life in terms of what God has given to me and, and, and the vision he's given to me for where I need to be. I have responsibility for leading myself into that. What does it mean? What does it translate into? What are my responsibilities? What are my actions? Grab a hold of those things. Live in the expectation of great reward. Live in the expectation of great reward. Men are innately built with a, a sense of competitiveness on the inside of them. Why? Because I'm uncomfortable with mediocrity. I'm uncomfortable living in the status quo. There's something on the inside of me that says, you know what? I think I can do better than this. And quite honestly, it even extends to, I think I can be better than everybody else. Why? Because built on the inside of us is an appetite for greatness. Something that says, I want to aspire to more. These are good things. These are healthy things. You see, when we have a clear understanding as to the responsibilities and the behaviors that go with good uh, masculinity, it steps us into a place where we're able to grab a hold of those aspects and we use them for the introduction of good and healthy and beneficial and constructive, not only into our marriage and into our family, but into our world and our business and everywhere else that we go. Anytime we don't understand the reason or the purpose for something, we run the risk of abusing it. Anytime you don't know why something came to you and you don't read the directions, you're going to live by trial and error. 
And it may work, but it may not. And then you get frustrated because things aren't working the way that I thought that they should work. The difficulty that we have at the moment is that we have a lot of people who have grown up and they don't have a clear vision as to what masculinity is all about. And so they have a distorted view of masculinity. And when we have a distorted view of masculinity, what ends up happening is we introduce things into our world that are destructive. There are things in my nature that present themselves and I begin acting and living off of those things, but I'm not able to harness them for a constructive good. And I become abusive and I do different kinds of things because it's part of who I am. And the problem with it is that it's opened a door for the enemy. And because we've acted in ways that are not constructive, society, who also very often does not have a God-centered view on healthy masculinity, has decided that that's an opportunity to come in and not to understand what masculinity is and encourage it in its fullness, but it's an opportunity for them to come in and erode masculinity and take away from masculinity aspects that they don't deem to be healthy. The American Psychological Association, on their website, has practically declared masculinity to be a mental illness. This is what their website has a quotation. Traditional masculinity marked by stoicism, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression is on the whole harmful. Our job as therapists is to remove all but the ideologically sound masculinities from boys and men, and specifically remove masculinities that involve competition, aggression, strength, and power. There is a justified, in their context, attack on masculinity. We have feminism. Feminism in the old days used to be about equality. Feminism was a fight to sit and say, men and women are equal and we want to be viewed equally. Feminism used to be about the fight to sit and say, women want equal pay with equal men. The fight for feminism used to be about, we want to have the right to vote. The feminist movement used to be about equality. But that's changed because since we've stepped into an arena where we basically have equality, it's very difficult to justify our existence. So what we've done is we've morphed that forward and it's no longer about equality anymore. It's about sameness, homogeny. What it's really saying is we don't like aspects of masculinity that are, not, that, that are at odds with femininity. And so the attack of feminines nowadays is to take those aspects of masculinity that don't represent themselves in femininity and to eradicate those so that we all look the same. It's making masculinity far more feminine in its context. The University of Texas has decided that masculinity is also not very helpful. And so the Counseling and Mental Health Center for the university has suggested that masculinity is problematic and that masculine men are too competitive and not emotional enough. And they're too aggressive. And so what they did is they put together a poster campaign to address this issue. This is one of the posters, Richard, that they put up. 
What it says is, even though I'm masculine, I can wear makeup and I feel like, if, um, and if I feel like wearing a dress, I can do that too. And it's totally fine. The second poster that they have says, I don't identify as masculine. It's just imposed on my body. One way I embrace my femininity is by wearing makeup and doing my nails. The challenge with it is this. Is the suggestion that we're supposed to become androgynous? The second poster has a totally warped perspective of what masculinity is all about. The thing about it is this. God has called us to be masculine and feminine fundamentally in who we are. And when you are masculine, the thing about it is you want to, we should embrace those aspects of who I am that applaud and celebrate masculinity. When you don't embrace masculinity and you want to take that and you want to compromise it by introducing feminine aspects to it, it ends up creating all kinds of problems in our lives. Because when things are out of order and out of balance, our world and our environment end up the same way. So what happens is I start introducing more feminine aspects into my life, wearing a dress, putting on makeup, putting on lipstick, putting on nail polish, and then I wonder why other men find it hard to relate to me. I'm removed from the masculine aspect of things because what happens is true masculinity says, i got a problem relating to that. I can't get there because I'm looking for masculinity. I'm looking for those aspects that make us real men. And I'm looking at something and it's like, I'm not sure what that is. It creates problems because the difficulty with it, then you feel as though you're estranged from the masculine community. It creates problems for us because, quite honestly, women want to marry a man. Women don't want to have a look at somebody else and say, I like your makeup and I like the way you get your hair done. I love your nails and your dress. Do you want to get married? <laughs> it creates problems for us inherently because then we don't understand why we're not attracted to the opposite, why they're not attracted to me. And it's because I haven't embraced fundamentally who my nature is and what I'm all about. It creates problems in my own life because what ends up happening is who I am and God is, who God has called me to be is at dissonance and is at odds with the way that I view myself. So I'm going in one direction and yet my maleness and my masculinity is in another direction. And I find myself as a house divided against itself. And I find myself unhappy because I'm unable to embrace who I am and live from that place. Proverbs chapter 19. Uh, is, it, is it 19? 28? Proverbs 29.18 says, Without a vision, people perish. Without a vision, people perish. The challenge with us is this. If we don't have a healthy vision for masculinity, what ends up happening is we move to a place where we live a compromised existence in terms of who God has called us to be. God has set up a program in order for us to walk into healthy living. And one of the key components to that is a healthy family unit. The attack on the family goes much more than just about fragmenting a family unit. It gets down to being able to, to, to understand 
the, the children growing up in that environment and being able to affirm their femininity and their masculinity in that context. And so what ends up happening is when we don't affirm that and we're not at a place where we have a father figure that is part of the household who's able to recognize the son and work with the son and introduce him to healthy masculine realities, our our view and our perspective of masculinity gets compromised. And then young men end up in one of two directions. First the direction is we end up with people who adapt more of a passive approach. And so what ends up happening is I view myself, I don't view myself as a, in a masculine context in the traditional sense of the word. I find it a hard, uh, difficult to relate my self-image to what masculinity is all about. I can use porn, but I can't speak to a girl. I see myself as a hero when it comes to playing on my TV games. Or playing on my phone. But the reality that I have established for my life, I could never see myself being a hero outside of this. Those people who constitute true masculinity are intimidating to me because I have a look at my life and what I'm all about and those components that have been affirmed on the inside of me. And there is an incongruence between who I am and what I see true masculinity could be. And so I think that that's unattainable for me. And so what ends up happening is I live a very compromised life. My view of masculinity gets compromised and what I want to do is I want to water it down. It shouldn't be as challenging. It shouldn't be as demanding. It should be at a place where maybe what I can do is introduce more feminine components to it so it's softer. But that's not who God called us to be. Masculinity is all about realizing the dream and realizing what God has called you to do. And when you have a compromise grid for your life, you can't walk into everything he's called you to do. Traditional masculine values have a hard time in contemporary society. Contemporary, traditional masculine values sit and say, you know what, get the job done. They sit and they have a look at it and they say, God has given me an idea for something. Let's go out and let's make that happen. It doesn't matter that I come from certain environments or life might be tough and life might be difficult. It doesn't matter that there are going to be a whole bunch of challenges in terms of what I'm facing and the realities that come against this. God has called me to move into this. So I push in and I fight in. I experience and I take hold of leadership capacities. I grab hold of those things and what it means to move into aspects of bravery. It's tough. It's difficult. People say things. It doesn't always work out, but I can make it happen. I know about sacrifice. Sacrifice is okay. I'm prepared to sacrifice for certain things because I'm going somewhere. I'm doing something. I'm moving to a place where I can realize and I can walk in the fullness of what God has called me to do. And it's something that transforms and influences in a very positive way my family and the world. But contemporary society is not like that. Contemporary society is so indulgent. We make excuses for everything. It's really not your fault that you can't do that. It's not your problem that you can't achieve that. We play the blame game all the time. It likes to position us as victims. It's okay not moving into anything because you know what? It's never your fault. And so we make all kinds of ridiculous excuses. We live in a society that is the most prosperous and the most successful in the whole world. And most of the excuses that we make are laughable. Laughable. 
They have a problem in Africa. They have an elephant problem. Elephants are big. Elephants need a lot of space. And when elephant herds get too big, it's not like the good old days where they had free roam over all of Africa because they live in reserves and they live in parks. When the elephant population gets too big, what they end up having to do is they capture young elephants and they move them to other parks where the elephant population isn't as robust. The challenge is, what they found is, over time, they ended up with a situation where they had a whole bunch of what they commonly refer to as rogue elephants. These were aggressive elephants, aggressive young males that went out and were destructive. Destructive in the park, destructive with villages around there, and were actually a hazard and a danger to people. And when they did some research, what they discovered was the problem is that they had taken them out of their family unit and they had put them into a place where they were to discover what it was to be a male bull elephant, independently of any other masculine influence. The result of it was they had all of the stuff that came up on the inside of them that they were reacting to and they were responding to. And they never had any bigger male influence to slap them around a little bit and say, you need to understand how to control that. You need to understand that it's there for a reason. You need to understand that it's there for a purpose. But until you understand the purpose for that, you have a tendency to to act on it. And the result of it is that we end up in situations that are destructive. There's a problem in our society today because there are too many men who haven't stepped up to the responsibility of what it means to be a father. We have too many broken homes. And the result of it is that we have too many young men who are growing up in environments where they do not have healthy masculine influences on the inside of them. The result is that they're exposed to all these realities of what it means to be masculine, but they don't know the purpose. They don't understand how to channel it. And so they use it for unhealthy causes. Young men who grow up in divorced or single-parent homes are five times more likely to live in poverty and and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. They are more likely to have behavioral problems or run away from home or become teenage parents themselves. 70% of gang members, high school dropouts, and teen substance abusers come from single-mother homes. We have a problem in our society. We have a problem in our society because we don't have fathers who have stepped up to their role of what it is to create a healthy vision for masculinity. You may find yourself in a place, and perhaps you're a mother right there who comes from a broken home, and perhaps you're at a place where you're having to face this reality, and I want to tell you something. It is important because there is no substitute for it. It is important because... Men, boys discover their masculinity in the context of what it is to be around other men. That's why God given us some, has given us something called the church. If you find yourself in that kind of a position, you cannot, as a mother, be a substitute for the father figure in your son's life. Keep them in a healthy church environment. Get them in a place where they are around other men, where they can be exposed to good and positive and a healthy vision for masculinity. (laughs) 
There is a war going on. Part of the war is about political correctness. And part of the war is about sexual politics. But the real war is against the image of God. You see, gender is quite strongly related, in fact, it's totally related to theocracy, uh, uh, theology. Theology is the study of the nature of God. It's the most fundamental of all sciences. Our masculinity and our femininity is rooted and grounded in the nature of God. That's part of who he created us to be. Our masculinity and our femininity go back to creation. It speaks about the image of God in who we are. And it's related to the glory of God. God has called us as people to be his image bearers in the world. Most dangerous attack on God and his relationship with mankind. The most dangerous attack against God and his creation is an attack that is used through the ability to deface the image of God in people. When you change and you affect and you begin to compromise the, the nature of who God created people to be, you begin to compromise the way that God is reflected and evidenced through them in the world. Masculinity, healthy masculinity is a good thing. Healthy femininity is a good thing. Healthy masculinity has been responsible for creating things like generals and leaders. People who were entrepreneurs. People who were great teachers. People who were presidents. So much of society that we experience today is as a result of the contribution of masculinity that has informed men. And brought them to a place where they've had an influence on society. When you take away masculinity, you're having a fundamental impact on the way that the world is going to look in the years to come. There is an attack from the world's perspective to remove God and God's influence. And one of the key ways that they want to do it is by attacking the nature of God in the world. And they're doing it by attacking masculinity. Masculinity is good. Masculinity is healthy. As long as you understand the purpose for which it was introduced. As long as you understand the reason that God introduced it and gave it to you. And when we live in a good, solid relationship with God, not only does he introduce us to our masculinity, but he begins to unveil to us the different components of what that is. And he gives us context as to why it's valuable and why it's such an important contributor to who we are and how we're supposed to take the image of God and evidence it in the world.